Welcome. This is Out of the Ordinary Books, where we believe that the books we read help us better understand the lives we lead. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And every week we share an Out of the Ordinary book and how it can help you make sense of your story too. These aren't book reviews or recommendations. These are conversations about some of our best friends, worst enemies, toughest coaches, most passionate lovers, and kindest teachers that line our bookshelves. We hope these conversations help you see the deeper story hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, I know you and I complain sometimes about summer in terms of heat and schedules are all off. And what do we do with these children of ours, mosquitoes (laughs) and the humidity, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But I got to tell you, this has been my favorite week of the summer. It's our very favorite week. It's very, very special. It gets me all verklempt. But it is the week of the summer where we have at our church vacation Bible school. It is VBS week. (laughs) That is a good week. Did you grow up with that as a kid? Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was a faithful vacation Bible schooler to the extent that and then I got to a certain age where I aged out of it, but then I could be I was so excited to help her at vacation Bible school. That is the life cycle we are going through. In South Africa, we called it Holiday Bible Club, I think. Oh, that's cute. And I remember that too. I absolutely remember being a camper. And I always remember like looking at the the older leaders. And they would always, in South Africa, we would always, the leaders would often make up a name, like a cartoon name or a nickname that the the kids would call them just for fun. Like I remember my friend Dorothy, her nickname one year was Yum Yum. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) You know, like silly things like that. But I was just being in awe and enthralled by like the cute girls. Oh, look at those teenage girls. They're so cool. And the cute boys who were the leaders. And did you get to be in Garrett's team today? You know, I remember (laughs) all of that. And now my kids are in VBS. And now this is the first year one of my kids is a leader at VBS. Mm -hmm. So it's so full circle. And I kind of thought like, yeah, the circle is like first you're a camper, then you're, you know, a leader then your kids are campers, and then your kids are leaders. And it's like the full (laughs) life circle of VBS. And, you know, every year I think to myself, oh, I won't get choked up. It'll be fine. But every year when I stand in the back and they do closing ceremony at the end of every day, and so there's always a little lesson and they do their Bible verse, and then they sing. And I'm going to tell you, Christy, you put me in a gym full of 200 or 300 kids singing about Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to cry. Every time. It is like clockwork. I cannot resist that tug in my heart. I think particularly after the last year, there was no VBS last year and this year to have it be back and um, just the mindfulness of the leaders to make this experience really meaningful for kids. Some kids are still wearing masks. Some kids have been vaccinated. Um, it's really in in the state that we're in now, the laws have changed. So you don't have to be wearing a mask anymore, but our church is making it discretionary. So if you feel like you want to, of course you should. But it's just to watch these leaders up there on the stage, like dancing to all these dance moves and the kids dancing and singing. And one of the things that's been a theme this year is how Jesus will pull us through. 
Um, the theme for VBS this year is the Rocky Railway. When <laughs> so, Jesus will pull us through. And I have friends up on that stage singing those words who have very difficult things happening in their lives right now. And kids I know who have hard things happening. But there they all are singing this praise to Jesus. And I stand in the back like some freak, just like trying to wipe away tears. And, um <laughs> I guess for me, what's really special about it is the visceral reminder that our children are spiritual beings too. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. and they inhabit a spiritual world and have a deep, nuanced understanding in probably sometimes much more effective ways than we do <laughs> about good and evil, right and wrong, you know, fear and love. And there's something humbling about standing in the back and, and having our kids lead in that way. That just moves me so deeply. So I'm actually sad. Today's the last day and I'm already sad about it. Although I guess on we still have Sunday because then they always turn oh, Sunday right. into like the big celebration Sunday, the last VBS, you know, moment. But it is always surprising to me to be confronted all over again with our children's tenderness toward the gospel and their openness toward things we can't see, I guess, with our mm-hmm. human eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's good to remember our own, I don't know, we throw this phrase around, but what else is there? Spiritual journeys, right? Because, right. you know, faith isn't like a thing. It's a way. It's a walk. Yeah. It's a faith path. Is, that's it's good. A, you know, it is a journey. It is a right. pilgrimage. It's all of that. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good for these reminders to look back and remember what was significant for us along the way. And yeah, Vacation Bible School was definitely significant for me. Um, If any listeners out there are grieving that their kids still can't have it this summer, I'll just say that now we're going on our second summer without Vacation Bible Mm. School, which is a bummer. Of course, we couldn't have it last year. And then I think logistically and with the uncertainty of what it would be like in our county this summer, our church just couldn't, you know, decided to put their focus elsewhere and really focus on some other things, which I, I think was wise. But it is a bummer that for a second summer in a row, there's no Vacation Bible School. (laughs) But, you know, for me, yeah, it was Vacation Bible School. It was so many things, right? But a huge part, a huge part of like pivotal moments in my walk, in my spiritual journey, came through books, things I was reading. And um, I thought today, Lisa Joe, we've had some so many great conversations around books as we've taken this um, new direction with the podcast. But I realized today before we sat down to record that I don't think yet we have talked about books. We haven't yet brought books to the table um, specifically because they were, I mean, all books are a part, like spirit, our spiritual lives aren't just like this slice of us, right? Like right. we're whole people. Right. <laughs> so I think even the conversation we had last week about Roald Dahl, like that, right. you know, that was a part of our our growing up and our formation and our learning about fatherhood and love and which of course leads to thinking about God. And right. like, I'm, we cannot draw too fine a line between these, but thinking specifically about books that like specifically kind of urged me on in new directions or shaped, you know, the form that my spiritual life would take, I realized, oh, we haven't really talked about that yet. And I'm sure this is a conversation that will come in many parts. Like, I have a feeling this is one that we'll return to. But so I am bringing a perhaps surprising book to the table today. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And I wonder, and, and this is 
Yeah, I, I would. I don't even know. You probably don't have this book in your house. I'm guessing. Well, we shall see. But um, this little book, I actually have two. I've got two here. I've got a big one. I've got a little one. <laughs> but these are books. Um, I I didn't grow up having these in my house. So I'm going to tell you about the moment when I first realized, oh, I want that book. So um, I was an adult. And actually, our many of our longtime listeners will know that you and I met at a small neighborhood church in Chicago, right. south side of Chicago. So this was that church. I was um, at a meeting with whoever was in charge of like prayer ministry at the church. And I, I don't know if I was meeting with her just for a prayer meeting or if I was maybe doing training to 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 pray in a more official capacity with the church. I don't remember. All I remember is being in that little neighborhood club where we used to meet. Do you remember that place? Yes, of course. <laughs> we were in one of the little back rooms because, of course, at that time, our little church didn't have its own building. And um, this was an evangelical church, similar but different to ones I had grown up in. And the woman leading the meeting pulled out this book. She pulled out, Lisa Joe, the Book of Common Prayer. And I knew what it was, and I knew it belonged to other church traditions. <laughs> and really, I knew what it was more as a literature student, because I've always been a student of English literature. And so part of studying the history of English literature is studying the history of, of books like the King James Bible or the Book of Common Prayer, which is a part of, you know, Anglican church history and the different translations and how language changed over time. So I knew this book from a literary perspective. And then this woman pulls this book out in our prayer meeting, as well as her Bible. Of course, we all had our Bibles. And probably her journal. I'm sure I had my journal too. And I remember thinking, oh, we're allowed to use that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that we can, we can do that? that that's what? <laughs> right. Like, there's not like a fire cloud that goes up when you walk into a evangelical church with the Book of Common Prayer. <laughs> But my 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 initial like little thought wasn't at all confusion or judgment. It was just it was like, oh, I, I I want that. She seems to be open to resources and traditions and things that I just didn't know were options for me. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like this little seed was planted. And and if I remember that day, you know, we prayed in our usual ways, we read scripture in our usual ways. But I think she had found a particular prayer in in her copy of the Book of Common Prayer that um, was like a, a prayer of blessing and and really spoke to why we were gathered. And so she just read slash prayed that for us in our gathering. And as someone who our listeners will know, you know, I love poetry, I love language, I love beauty and language. Um, the beauty of the prayer she read sent me straight to the Seminary Co-op Bookstore in Hyde wow. Park, which was a co-op bookstore, but also sort of the, um, it, um, it wasn't the official university bookstore, but it more or less was. It was where all of my fellow graduate students in, in the English department would go for all of our textbooks. Um, it, oh, it was a wonderful place. I think it has since moved, but when I was a student in Hyde Park, it was in this, all these like subterranean rooms underneath this old church that was a part of a seminary. That's why it was the seminary co-op bookstore. And it was like 
caves. It was like little room after little room. And you could wander, if what felt like, for miles in these little cave-like oh, rooms that were that. lined floor to ceiling with books. Oh, wow. So I headed straight to that bookstore, knowing I was going to be looking for the religion section. And I remember it was like I had to wander and wander, and it's like way at the back. And, and then there's whole, this whole little cozy room now for religion. There's a little chair. And I remember finding the prayer books like on a bottom shelf. And I found this one that I'm holding here, but I didn't buy it that day because it was really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a giant textbook, yeah. Yeah, for a while, Lisa Joe, I just would go back and visit it. And I I remember just like had to sort of wrestle with myself like, oh, this is a really expensive book. This isn't really a book in my own faith tradition. Do I really, can I justify spending this much money on this book? But um, to paraphrase Jane Austen, reader, she bought that book (laughs) eventually. (laughs) And uh, that was such a pivotal book for me because I think in that prayer meeting with that friend bringing that book, it it united a lot of things for me. Like things that had been separate in me now came together. So my love of literature, my love of language, my love of poetry and and beauty and history, my love of history, you know, I've always loved history. And then my Christian faith, they all started to to merge really in this one book, the Book of Common Prayer that was starting to combine all these things. I could read it for the beauty of the language. I could read it for the power of the prayers, prayers that had been handed on. I could read it... um, like a daily devotional, you know, the the Book of Carmen Prayer will have the Psalms for the month, sort of what you read in the morning, what you read in the evening. So I could sort of go through the month, day one, day two, day three, reading through the Book of Psalms, which at that time, I don't think I had known this before, I began to understand that the Psalms had been the prayer book of Jesus himself, that, you know, for the the Jewish worshipers of that Second Temple period when he was living, the Psalms were their were their prayer book, their communal prayer book. And so now to read, not just read the Psalms, but pray the Psalms, that was something that the Book of Common Prayer al- allowed me to do. And I think it was that that merging <laughs> of many things that sort of set me in a new direction. You know, once we left Chicago, we ended up in. Um, uh, Anglican churches or Episcopal churches in the Anglican tradition, it it ended up being um, a more significant turning point than I knew, not in any way a rejection of anywhere I'd been previously at all, but just as part of that that deepening and that progression that we all take in our walks with God that um, may take us in what looks like on the surface different directions, but hopefully for all of us, it's that kind of deepening um, deepening faith and, and deepening relationship with God. And so, mine began to take me at that point into um, a tradition uh, with more liturgy and, uh, and, and so on, and things that we've discussed on the podcast before. But it, it all started when that woman, <laughs> that friend, brought that book to the table. That is and, so uh, interesting. And it's been with me ever since. It's so interesting to me. So, I'll confess a few things. So, I understand in theory the what it is i so in my brain it's like a textbook for a certain denomination that is high church where mm-hmm. they read together out of a book yes uh-huh i did not know 
this is a weird thing to say. I did not know you could own something like that in your house. Like I thought yeah. you could only have it in your house if you stole it from someone's church. Like I didn't realize, <laughs> like, I'm like, how do you have that in your house? I don't even understand. <laughs> and so, oh, you can buy it at a bookstore. So that's new for me. I just learned that. And thirdly, I don't really know what it is inside. And so I thought maybe you could just kind of share for our listeners who are like Book of Common Prayer. What is that? I, I don't know what the inside looks like. I know what a daily devotional looks looks like. I know what it's like if you have readings every day. I think in my brain, I had assumed the book was like, maybe you could look up marriages and then there'd Mm -hmm. be like marriage related prayers, or you could look up mealtime and there'd be mealtime prayers, but are they organized by certain like day one, day two, day three? Is it Mm -hmm. by topic? Who wrote the prayers? Are they like prayers by famous believers? And then you can actually see the name of whose prayer it was, or is it all like, is this by the Anglican Church? Like, these are things I don't know. Yeah, yeah, those are such good questions. And partially my answer is yes, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. So I do attend a church where we have the Book of Common Prayer. So, you know, in a in a more old-fashioned church with the pews, right. where you have the That's pew, the, the rack behind the yes. pew, where you have different yes. books. You know, we have, of course, the Holy Bible. I think in the NIV translation is what we have. Um we have the Holy Bible, we have our hymnal, and we have the Book of Common Prayer. So, right. um, yes, I suppose you could sneak one into your bag. And I mean, take that's it where I thought those books lived. I didn't know where <laughs> yeah. else you would ever encounter one. They live in church, in the rack, yeah. behind the pew. And it's true that m- many parts of it are are just appropriate for communal worship. So, um, in our own church services, especially let's say someone's being baptized, we will all take the Book of Common Prayer out of that little pew, or, you know, because it is 2021, they will also put the words up on a big projection screen. (laughs) But I, being the book lover I am, will pull the book out, and I'll tell you what page to turn to, and then we can read together, um, because in the the, um, Anglican baptismal service, there are responsive, you know, we're sort of making vows together, you know, the person being baptized is agreeing to certain things, their sponsors or godparents are agreeing to certain things, and the congregation is as well making certain promises. And so, we open the book to, to read those promises. So, some of it is, isn't, other than curiosity, I don't flip to those pages at home because they're not a part of home faith. <laughs> they're, right. they're communal, you know, um, uh, gathering um, aspects of the faith. But then there are other things that are more like what you said, like topical prayers. There are what we call collects, small prayers for certain days of the year, you know. So during Advent season, let's say, if I'm doing some Advent readings with my kids, I might look for the Advent prayer uh, for that day. And um, the other thing, and the reason why I have a, a couple versions here next to me is that there have been more modern translations made over the years. So, I have a big fat book of common prayer that offers both traditional and more contemporary translations of these prayers. But I have a special little one right here, which I've, I've brought to, to show you and tell our listeners about. So, this little, this little book, um, it says right on the cover, the book of common prayer, but it's like, can you see that it's like palm size? Yeah, it it's like right a in my palm. Book. Yeah, size. so this is a really great one for like personal devotion. But the special thing about this book is that I found this little book in the gift shop at Westminster Abbey in London. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I was there on a visit. Um, my mother-in-law took 
me along for a very special uh, Grammy granddaughter um, trip to um, England and France. And uh, I got to tag along, which was so special. And so um, the first part of our trip, we were in London and we vi- we visited Westminster Abbey and I saw this little copy of the Book of Common Prayer in the gift shop. But what's really special about it, I'm flipping here to the front, is that it is not at all a, a contemporary modern version. It is really a replica of a very old book of common prayer. I'm trying to see if there's a year on it. Um, it's essentially the old standard edition, they call it. It's the old, um, it, it's just the old traditional form of the prayers, of the psalms. But I guess I'm still not tracking. Like when you say the old traditional form, like whose tradition and who wrote it? Right. So the um, basically, Christian people in England over the centuries. So you might remember some of your history of like King Henry VIII and, you know, separating from uh, Rome and the Pope, but always whether they were still Catholic or it was becoming just the Church of England, there were prayer books written for use in communal worship. And so um, all the oldest forms of Christianity had these kinds of, of books, especially once, you know, printing. I mean, now we're going into like history of the printing press and (laughs) translations of things, but um, people didn't necessarily have always access to the whole Bible, but they would have access to something. Like in medieval times, they had these books called the Book of Hours, and they were little devotional books used for private prayer at certain fixed hours, and they would have a selection of prayers and psalms. And so, these sort of miscellaneous books have been an important part of um, Christianity for centuries and centuries. And so, over time, as churches became state churches, national churches, um, there were you know, it was actually like a political thing and a government thing to decide on the proper, this is the book we will use in our in our worship. And then, of course, you would have arguments about that. And now you're getting into why certain people left the shores of England and sailed to the New World, right? <laughs> you know, it, it right. could come down to things like, oh, I don't want to pray in exactly that way. We have our own way of worshiping. And, and But a book like this was a way of having a common worship and a common way of praying together. So it is very much related to a long history of Christianity in the English language particular. So this would just be a little, um, this would be a, a version of the Book of Common Prayer that would have been familiar to Christian worshipers in England and in the New World, in the colonies for you know, hundreds of years. So the language is really old fashioned, but I think the language is really beautiful and um, even reading the Psalms in this book, it, it has the indication of the Latin first line of the Psalms. Um, and so um, that is something, you, you know, you wouldn't see in a more contemporary version. So again, for me, it's like combining all, it's combining prayer and faith with language and history and all of these things that I love in one little handy little package that fits in my palm and I can, <laughs> you know, read the Psalms in the morning and the evening. <laughs> How do you use it, Christy? Do you go chronologically or just kind of flip it open to any prayer? Do you? What does it look like in your rhythm? Yeah, reading the Psalms is probably how I use it the most. This little pocket size edition I'll look for. So what? So today when we're recording, what day of the month is it? It's like the second day, I think, of July. So I'll go to the Psalms and I'll look for day two. And it'll have the morning Psalms and I'll read those. 
And then if I get around to it, I usually don't. I'm better about morning prayer than um, specific evening prayer. But if I think of it before I go to bed, I'll turn to day two and I'll read the evening Psalms. And so that means over the months, you're kind of reading through the Psalms again and again. So that's mostly how I use it. Um, but like I said, around the family dinner t- table, looking for a particular prayer for the season, maybe I'll go and look at the Advent prayers, or maybe I'll go and look at the prayers that are offered during Lent. Um, and here's, I guess, what I want to hear it really maybe is the crux of the the conversation. It's not so much about a particular church tradition or even these particular books, um, but it's about just all, all the ways we pray as Christians and what a gift it has been to me to discover new ways of praying, not to replace old ways, but just to have so many ways, um, so many options, so many invitations into prayer. And sometimes prayer for me is just pouring out the feelings from my heart, right? And sometimes sort of having words for that and sometimes not. And sometimes it's feeling like I have no words. I'm going to open this book. and I'm going to look for something. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, a question one of my children asked recently. It was um, one of my kids was really pouring out a complaint, I'll call it a complaint, an understandable complaint about like evil in the world and why doesn't God do anything? And this is so terrible. And I thought, wow, she really sounds like David right now. (laughs) And I was like, honey, let's read this psalm together because, yeah, I mean, the things you're saying have been poured out to God for thousands of years. So here in this psalm, we see him saying exactly the same thing. Why do these wicked people prosper? Why do they just go on? And then we read through to the end to realize, oh man, their days are numbered, Yeah, right? Like, oh yeah, God's got this. And she was frankly astonished to discover that exactly the things that were like coming out of her heart were were there, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's (laughs) So yeah, for me, it's it's just thinking generally about about prayer and um, the ways that Jesus prayed and all the ways that we're invited to, to pray. And I think you know, our personalities are different, our interests are different, and to know that if prayer has become stale for you, or if if prayer seems to only maybe touch a, a slice of you, um, that there are these invitations into many ways to pray that might um, be appropriate for you in this season, or might be more, you know, suited to that particular need or, you know, whatever it is. I I just know there's times where I just really love a formal, written, beautiful prayer. And then at other times, it's like the messy scrawlings of my journal, right? But to realize that both are are valued and precious to God, um, I think that's what's been given to me through these books. It's beautiful, Christy. I mean, I've never thought about owning the Book of Common Prayer, but now I feel like I want to go and find one. Just mostly, I just feel so curious about what's in it. And it makes me want to ask you, one of the things I love that we did at your house is after the barn was built, the black barn, you had a barn dedication and invited over the priest from your church and then lots of friends and family and community. And one of the things we did was this kind of responsive reading and praying over the space. And I'm curious, was he using the Book of Common Prayer for that? Yeah, so he actually wrote, so yeah, what he did is he used the Book of Common Prayer, used scripture and a few sources actually in order to sort of craft 
um, a particular liturgy. So it was it was a bit of a hybrid thing. So there are, I'm pretty sure, I'm not, it's a big book. I know I won't flip right to it, but there are, um, you know, there's particular prayers in here like for a house blessing. Mm. But there's nothing for a barn blessing. <laughs> so I think he used the house blessing and then knowing like what the this purpose of the space was in terms of community and creativity. He found some other um, scriptures and prayers that applied to that. And then he wove it together. Um, this is our, our good friend, Ben. Um, he wove it together into something that was both traditional and, and rooted in, you know, the history of the church, but also unique and fresh for, for that moment. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's not a rigid rules-based thing, but it can be just an inspiration for something we create ourselves. And that's actually something that happens every week in the Blackburn Online. People are writing and we're sharing every day a benediction. And that's been something that um, our good friend Amy Knorr just started when when that community started up at blackburnonline.com. She was sharing a benediction for us every day. And these are just little, very short little written prayers um, with a beautiful uh, photo or illustration background from our friend Anna, who does the design for paper and string. Um, so she was always offering that. And now there's a whole team of people who are offering these prayers and sort of assigned, you know, a week. And um, it's interesting. It wasn't planned, but that's just been a natural outgrowth of the community there is, are these these written prayers we're offering. And so they're, they kind of follow the old forms, but they're totally fresh and new. And so it's both a creative exercise for the people writing them and also a very much a spiritual exercise as well. It's really worth checking out if you haven't. It's free, just blackbarnonline.com. And if you're wondering what it is, it's really a community that doesn't operate on social media. So it's not on it's not a Facebook group. It's not attached to the traditional social platforms you maybe have heard of, but it's hosted on a completely separate platform and it is it really does feel like you're walking into the barn in terms of what's happening in there. There's art and conversation and food, recipes, poetry and then prayer. And so if you're looking for a place that's a little quieter than the online yeah. spaces, a place for reflection and really guided thought, guided prayer, guided um, discussion around art or literature, really blackbarnonline.com. Mm-hmm. And I'll say as well, like I, I'm not expecting, we always say in these conversations, Lisa Joe, what, what do we say? We say, you know, we're trying to share things here in these conversations that are of value, whether or not you run out and buy this book or borrow right. this book or read this book. So, right. so like, I don't expect you to run out and, <laughs> and buy right. the Book of Common Prayer necessarily, but I hope, you know, it, it just sort of reminds you like, oh yeah, the Psalms are prayers that are there for me too, and they're right there in my Bible. Or um, I think there are some great books out there for kids, especially. So, I, I pulled... Here's just one book I'll, I'll mention as kind of a, an addition to this theme we're talking about. It's a little, it's a sweet little book called A Child's First Book of Prayers. Looks like the publisher, it says Lion. Hopefully, we'll link to it for sure. Um, but it's it's got sweet little illustrations. They're short little prayers. And over the years, my kids, sometimes at, at dinner, I'll hand this book to them and I'll say, hey, why don't you choose a prayer for us to read after we eat? And there's all kinds of themes. Some are for particular holidays. So this is not the actual Book of Common Prayer, but it is a little Book of Common Prayer. It's a yeah. little prayer book for families. And it's been good for us because my kids are reluctant 
reluctant prayer out louders. That's what I'll say. You know, some kids I know, like I've heard your daughter Zoe pray when we've gathered. And as part of her beautiful personality, she is so eager to to pray Mm -hmm. with others and to pray out loud. But not all kids are. Right. My boys are not not. the same. Yeah. 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 And so handing them a book and saying, why don't you choose a prayer Mm. and then pray it for us has taken some pressure off because they can just read that prayer. Right. And it turned out to be a good thing that I had kind of introduced that into our family because my son for um, a couple of years served, he was quite young, served as the the chaplain for, or maybe chaplain's assistant, I can't remember what they called it, for his little um, Boy Scout troop. And so he had to like pray before a meal or like, you know, pray before a meal at their camping trip or things like that, or, or pray to open a ceremony. And I don't believe there was guidance. I mean, there may have been some guidance, but it was kind of up to him how he did that. And unprompted, I mean, you know, we didn't tell him what to do. He would, he would go through some of our books and he would, um, he would just choose a prayer to read. And I think it was, it, it was good because it, it, it made it a little easier on him. It took right. a little pressure off. Right. But it also meant that he was offering these really meaningful, beautiful, so beautiful prayers for his <laughs> Boy Scout troop. <laughs> I love that. I love that this conversation in this book, this friend at the table today is bringing a completely new angle. You know, I think some of the books we're exploring are fiction, but we love fiction and even fantasy in fairy tales that points us to truth. Mm-hmm. And But here's a book today that really is you know, trying to appear in its truest form, like it's not hiding or disguising or um, sharing metaphorical truth. Here it is, like eat this meal, this is good food. So how fun, whether you, you know, maybe it makes you curious, listener, to see if your library has a copy of the Book of Common Prayer or to next time you're in a bookstore, take a peek at one, or maybe you already have one in your home and it makes you go pick it up again and think, huh, I should go pick a prayer out of here Mm -hmm. for today. And in the show notes, we always have the books linked and we'll link the children's version as well so that you can take a look. We're really excited about that. And um, I will here, I will at the end here just mention that we want to end with letting you know that stay tuned for next week because there's a fun surprise announcement coming out from the podcast about how should I put this let's just say uh, a virtual tour that we'd like to take you on that we're very excited about for a very good cause of some very good friends of ours so we sure hope that what's your appetite and we are praying that you will join us as we share this news next week and uh, come and visit in a very real and meaningful way. That's right. I'm so excited about this tour. I can't wait. And it's all part of uh, just what we hope is always a welcome we extend on the podcast. And as well, if you're responding, maybe online, if you're finding us and responding to this podcast, I know that other Christian traditions, maybe the Catholic tradition or the Orthodox tradition, they have their own prayer books. And one thing I actually love is to seek out those prayer books and, and sort of learn more about how my other, you know, other brothers and sisters in the faith are praying. So if you have a prayer book you use and love, whether it's an official church one or not, man, I'd love to see that um, online. So tag me on Instagram or come to the Blackboard online and tell us about it. Um, But this is, you know, my tradition may be English language and Anglican, but there are all kinds of great prayer books out there. So thanks for sharing yours with us, Christy. (laughs) And I'm glad you didn't have to steal it from a pew. (laughs) 
If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.